The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Dear friends, 
Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of of glory and of God rests upon you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murder or thief or any kind of criminal, even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved... What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. First Peter, the fourth chapter. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thanksgiving time. It's my favorite holiday. It's a time when we gather as friends and family not to do wickedness, but to praise the name of Jesus, to glorify him, for he has been so kind to us. I pray that your thanksgiving this year will be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. But I do come with a warning. We have come to the end with our Lord Jesus. And he is about to throw the church and the United States of America into the den of lions. Now, he will deliver. He will rescue. But we are entering into a very difficult, painful time in America like nothing you or I have ever experienced or seen before. Enjoy this Thanksgiving, because when it's over, peace will be stolen from this nation, and the lion's den will be wide open and will be cast in. December of this year, 2022 will mark a significant change in the history of America. God's judgment begins in the house of the Lord, but it also extends out to many beyond the house. We find this childhood story that I've read and listened to so many times Daniel in the lion's den. But this season, as I have sat before the Lord, it has taken on a whole new meaning. For I know that we are going into the lion's den. And if the Lord does not close the mouths of the lion, we will be devoured. The Christian church will be utterly decimated. I've been preaching warnings to the church and to the sinner year after year. But now we're coming to the time of fulfillment. 
the judgments of Almighty God. I pray that those judgments are unto repentance. The story begins with the death of Belshazzar and the new ruler, Darius, needs to form his government. He needs the government to control the economy and the activity that's going on in Babylon and beyond. And so he appoints three administrators. One of the three administrators was Daniel. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself as an administrator and as a godly man, as a man who would not be willing to corrupt himself for the sake of personal gain. The king saw this. Now, Daniel is an old man, late 70s, probably early 80s. He's working every day. Now, the king, seeing how excellent his administrative work is, decides that he will set him up over all other administrators and make him the king's assistant, responsible only to the king. Everyone else is responsible to Daniel in the administration of government affairs. Now, the pagans and the corrupt, those who did not appreciate Daniel, decided they had to take him out. And so they looked for charges that could be made against Daniel in the conduct of his governmental affairs. They could find no corruption. They could not find where he had taken a bribe. They could not find where he had prospered himself at the expense of the king. And finally, these men got together and they said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. This is in Daniel, the sixth chapter, verse six. So the administrators went as a group to the king, and they said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators have all agreed that the king should issue an edict enforcing the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Mede and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. History tells us that King Darius was a playboy. He was not an administrator. And he was not paying attention. He was trusting those he had appointed I'm sure it must have at some point crossed his mind. Why wasn't Daniel the chief in calling for this? He was flattered. I'm going to be considered a god and everyone will have to pray to me. Now, the Medes and the Persians were wise. If you made a decree, you could not reverse it. Therefore, the king should think carefully before he passes some law, because it can't be reversed. In verse 10, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went up to his upstairs room where the windows opened in his apartment toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he'd done before. He would kneel down and he would ask God for help in the administration of this king's business. And he would praise his God and worship him three times a day. 
So these wicked men went to the king, and they said to the king, Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who praised any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. This is Daniel 6, verse 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the degree, the decree you have put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went to the king as a group and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. Now the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace, and instead of the customary dancing girls and gestures and music. He spent the evening with no entertainment, but he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Literally, he got up and ran to the lion's den. You can see him, his his garments flapping in the wind, his royal robe flapping. He wants to know, did God the God of Daniel, deliver him from the lions. Impossible. No human being could ever hope to to live through being cast into the den of a bunch of hungry lions. They would tear him to pieces. They would eat him. They would devour him. There might be only a few scraps of bone or clothing left behind. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, we're in trouble. We're about to be cast into a lion's den in America. Tragedies are going to compound themselves in this nation. Judgments of God. People are going to die. The lions are going to kill them. Now, I'm not saying literal lions. I'm saying events of great import are about to happen in the month of December. The only way you will survive what's coming is if you are innocent before God. Unfortunately, America worships many false gods. And because we worship those false gods, America will be devoured, decimated. 
And all of that is happening because those who call themselves pastors, prophets, teachers, apostles, they have false gods before their eyes, and they have taught the people of America false gods to worship. I want to identify a few of those today. The first one, and a great it's a great idol that stands up over America, and that is a gospel of good news without any law, a lawless gospel. American pastors have been pushing for years that the law was nailed to the cross. It no longer applies. We don't have to obey. We're good to go. The law was meant to convict us of sin, to lead us to Jesus, that we could be utterly transformed and made clean and all sin removed from our hearts and our lives. But when you don't have the law, how do you convict of sin? You can't. Well, we're convicted of sin by the wonderful grace of Jesus. No, you're not. No, you're not. When the gospel is not using the law to convict sinners of their need to die and be crucified with Christ, to have the old man of sin ripped out of them by the blood of Jesus. When when there's no law, there's no grace. Grace in this lawless gospel covers over all of their sin like a warm, comfortable blanket. This is a false God that has risen up by the pastors and preachers and teachers, apostles, prophets, a lawless gospel. The second false God that is powerful in America is that God is tolerant of sin. Now, if you just take a moment and think about what I just said, you'll know it's simply not true. Was God tolerant of Sodom and Gomorrah in their sin? No, he rained fire and brimstone on them. Was he tolerant of sin when Jesus took our sin and carried it? Was he tolerant of man's sin? No, Jesus was whipped and beaten and crucified. God was not tolerant of sin. The wages of sin in the sixth chapter of Romans the wages of sin is death. There is no such thing as a tolerant God. Now, I know the United Methodist Church has voted out all of their conservative, really Christian, true Christian bishops, and now the United I don't even like to talk about it. The United Methodist Church is no longer a Christian church. And if you are a member of a United Methodist Church, the same as if you are a member of an Episcopal Church, run. For the judgment of God is upon both churches and others who teach that the rainbow flag is acceptable who teach that we're all sinners and always will be sinners and that the blood of Jesus does not remove our sin. In fact, we don't even need to agree on who Jesus is. It doesn't matter. As the Episcopal Church Bishop said, it's the idea of a Christ that matters. It's not about Jesus. It's about a philosophical Christ. This is the 
wicked image of a tolerant God that has come to stand over the American church. And because of this wickedness, how many times I've taught that God calls us to be perfect and I've been scorned, I've been laughed at. Oh, pastor, didn't you know nobody can be perfect? We can't ever leave our sin. This is the false gospel of a tolerant God who does not demand that we leave our entertainment, that we leave our wickedness, that we leave our fornication, that we leave our adultery, that we leave our lying and cheating and stealing, that we leave our pride. We are crucified with Christ. No, the tolerant gospel of America is straight out of the heart of the devil. It is not Christian. And yet, I could name top pastors across America that many of you will listen to. Oh, but pastor, they're good teachers. They have, they have nuggets of truth that I, I appreciate. Really? Mixed in with that is the very subtle tolerance of God for sin. Oh, that we could go back and have the hatred for sin that is evidenced at the cross and the hatred for sin that was evidenced in Charles Finney, John Wesley, and many others who taught absolute hatred for sin and not to be tolerant for a moment. The third God that I want to identify is the teaching of false grace. You'll be driving down the road and here's a grace church. What kind of teaching do they have? Well, they teach that grace is a wonderful covering and it covers over our sin. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees himself. So you're a sinner under the blanket of grace and God can't see your sin. This is false grace. This is a lie but it feels so warm and so comforting and so comfortable. I'm loved unconditionally by God. I'm on my way to heaven. I can make it. Everything is wonderful. God has loved me, and God's love is made evident for me in the cross where he died for me, and now he can't see me. He just sees himself. What, did your God go blind, or did he lose his mind? Did he die for sinners who refused to repent? No. He died for sinners that they could be made righteous by his blood shed on Calvary. You believe in justification by faith? So do I. Show me your faith. I'll show you mine. My faith comes from the heart of God and it transforms a man or a woman and makes them righteous in truth and reality before a holy God. He makes them acceptable to a righteous and holy God who sent his son to die for your sin. This gospel of false grace has destroyed so many Christians I shudder to think of the responsibility. One man, if I named him, you would instantly know him. He said he 
He was raised in a holiness family where they taught that we must leave our sin. But he said, I found as I became an adult that I could not lose my sin. I could not leave it. It clung to me. And that's when I finally said, I have to accept this gospel that I'll always be a sinning Christian, but Jesus has me covered with grace and he loves me. And this man is on every TV station around the country. He's on every radio station and he's teaching a bald-faced lie. Why could he not leave his sin? Because in his pride, he refused to be crucified with Christ. He wanted to be somebody. He had pride. He would not surrender his fullness to Jesus Christ. There is no sin that cannot be wiped out by the blood of Jesus. There is no wickedness that cannot be removed from our hearts. There's no drug addiction that cannot be totally broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no sex addiction. There's no lying or cheating or stealing that cannot be washed clean by the precious blood of Jesus. A false grace. Now we have one more great idol that stands over American churches and it's taught constantly. All I want to teach is is love. I want to teach people the love of God. No, I want to teach people the wrath of God. I want to teach people that they're going to die in their sins if they don't repent. It's not the love of God, although that is love. It's a false love that is taught in the church today. It is the tolerant love. It is the love that just makes you happy to be a follower of Jesus. And I can go out and live like the world and walk like the world. I can make a few improvements. I can be tweaked here and there. I can leave my alcohol or I can leave my cigarettes. But I'm not going to leave my entertainment. Wicked entertainment. I'm not going to turn aside and and not go after money. False love. Love covers everything, right? All I have to do is is love Jesus. No, mister, you're loving a Santa Claus Jesus. You're loving a cotton candy Jesus. You're loving a, a sentimental Jesus. You're not loving the Jesus of Scripture. These are the false gods that rule over America. A gospel that has no teeth and no bite. It's a lawless gospel. The second, we have a tolerant God that abides in the Christian church. After all, all we're supposed to do is love one another and accept one another. And if you're, if you're gay, it's okay. Come on in. We'll love you. Yes, we will love you, but we'll say you must change. You must leave your wickedness behind. You must leave your uncleanness behind. And by the blood of Jesus, you must be washed. A true Christian is not tolerant of sin. The third great false god that stands over the American church is false grace. Grace that is, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, cheap grace. I call it greasy grace. It's a grace that does not teach me how to say no to ungodliness as Titus teaches It's a grace that allows me to continue walking comfortably as I choose. 
playing with the world, enjoying the entertainment and the parties of the world, living in debauchery. And then the fourth great false god is a false love. A love that has no concrete element to it. A love that is sentimental. A love that is accepting of everything and everybody. A love that is offered to the sinner instead of the law. I don't want to offer a sinner cheap love. I want to offer the sinner the law that says if you don't choose to change the way you function and operate in this world, you will be cast into hell. But if you will be willing to be crucified with Christ, you can live for eternity in true love. Daniel was cast into the lion's den. And I have to tell you that the lion's den is on the narrow path that you must walk. It leads us directly through King Darius's chamber of horrors. It leads us directly through the lion's den. Now, the lion's den is not just for us. The lion's den is also for the wicked. This is Daniel, the sixth chapter. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's Daniel in the lion's den. And I want to say to you today, America is going quickly into the lion's den and many will be crushed and will die. And there will be great mourning, weeping. There will be great agitation and destruction in this nation because the pastors of this nation have not been true to the living God of heaven and have preached a false gospel that has led the people of America away from Jesus and into utter darkness. Those pastors who have preached a false gospel will pay with their lives for what they have done. I don't know when that judgment will come upon them, but that judgment will face them. I am terrified of saying this to you, but I am warning you to prepare in whatever way the Holy Spirit calls you to prepare, but certainly by coming before Almighty God 
and repenting of every known sin, of laying down all pride, of humbling your heart before the mighty God of heaven and acknowledging that he rules over the affairs of men. This wicked king could boldly say, this God is a living God who endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Have you heard Joe Biden say anything like that? I haven't. Have you heard ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN? Have you heard any of their people saying, Jesus is a living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never. Oh, no, because we're tolerant. Unless we begin to talk about Jesus and then there is no tolerance. Shut up. Be quiet. Go away. So increasingly, the American United States Senate is hostile to God and to the Christian faith. I started my career as a naval chaplain. I was getting ready to be shipped to Vietnam. And my commanding officer called me in. And he said, Ray, you need to resign your commission in the U.S. Navy. I said, why? He said, because they're going to send you to Vietnam. And while you're there, they will court-martial you. I said, why would they court-martial me? Have I done something wrong? No. But, Ray, all you want to talk about is Jesus and calling people to serve him. The Navy does not want a chaplain who does that. The Navy wants a chaplain who will be a liaison officer between command and the sailors and will convince them to do a good job. You're a psychological officer. You are not a Christian officer. I said, I'm sorry. I signed up as a Christian officer in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, I know that's the problem. So you need to resign your commission. And so with great sadness, I resigned my commission in the United States Navy and took a, a call to a church. I recognize the world we live in. I recognize that America has become increasingly hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ and increasingly enamored by the false gods by the witches and the warlocks, by occultism. Increasingly, they have become enamored by spirits of the dead, always Americans seem to be unable to find their fill of hedonism, of wickedness, of sexual adventure, of money and power, bitterness and anger. And so today I'm saying to you very plainly, please hear me. America is about to be cast into the lion's den. And if you are not clean before God, you will find a great deal to weep over, perhaps even your own life. God is finished with America and its wickedness, and he now is going to bring severe judgment upon this nation. My prayer over the last years has been, O oh God, Please bring judgment upon America, but let it be judgment unto repentance, not judgment unto destruction. I am very 
very concerned because I see the judgment. I see it plainly. And I'm not sure if it's judgment unto destruction or judgment unto repentance. But I pray if you hear this broadcast, you will take very seriously what I'm saying to you. That you will get on your face before Almighty God and ask for his forgiveness of all sin. That you would be washed in the blood of Jesus if you were not already. And that you would ask him what you're to do to prepare for the coming storm for that storm is about to break over your head and over my head. And we will see the lions. And we need the angel of God to come and close the lions' mouths to rescue us. My confidence is in Jesus. I do not fear the future. I trust in the name of the Lord. I trust in my Savior. We may be headed for some very painful trials. Don't think it's strange that you go through them. I find myself with great joy saying to my wife and her saying to me at the most unexpected times, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. We're right there at the end. And we praise his name. Well, I wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. If you happen to be by yourself, please don't eat by yourself. Put out an extra plate and napkin Knife, fork, and spoon. Don't eat in front of the television. Take your Thanksgiving meal at your table, wherever that table is. Set an extra place and say, that place is for you, Jesus. Come and eat Thanksgiving with me, and I will praise you and worship you and honor you, for you are the mighty God of Israel. And Jesus, would you rescue me? And he will speak with you and he will comfort your heart. So happy Thanksgiving. I will be off air live for the next two days. It's pre-recorded because our radio studio at Weva is closed. So I can't broadcast live. But I will be back by God's blessing next Monday. I invite you to join me. Almighty God, I pray now for every person who is listening to this broadcast. I ask that your name would be lifted up. I ask that in your mercy, you would see America and the desperate condition we are in because of our worship of false gods. I ask that you would turn the heart of your people I ask that you would move with such authority, putting in the heart of every person that will respond a a driving call in their spirit to search after you, Jesus, to read the scriptures, to cry aloud that you would come and meet them. And Lord, we're going to go into this Thanksgiving, praising and worshiping and honoring you. For you are the almighty God. And I love you. And I serve you. And I give myself to you. I give this radio broadcast to you. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, I would love to hear from you. You're welcome to write to me at National Prayer Chapel, 
Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I want to thank those of you who have been giving online at nationalprayerchapel.com. I'm just so grateful as we come to the end of this month, trusting Jesus to completely cover the cost of this gospel ministry outreach. I have no way of doing it, but I trust Jesus to do it through you. So if your heart is is grateful, then give that gift to Jesus. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm praying for you. I'm asking the Lord to put a wall of fire around you and your family and protect you from the enemy. To teach you what you need to know. To call you into his presence and minister to you. Some of you may be sick and broken today. I lift you up in the name of Jesus. And I ask for healing and restoration. Some of you may be broken hearted. Jesus is the comforter. He sends his spirit to you. You know, I just rejoice today. I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful for my wife and my family. I'm grateful for Ed and Song Pew, who helped produce this broadcast. I'm helpful for Drew. I'm thankful for Drew, who's over at Weva Studio. Pray for Drew. He's gone through a very difficult time with his heart. He needs your prayers. I want him to stick around and help with this broadcast. Brother, my sister, it's a time to forgive and to forget and to love and to speak the truth to our families, to our friends. Please, Thanksgiving dinner, talk about Jesus. Talk about what he's done for you. Bear witness and testify that he's the God of heaven and earth. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.